This very special 30th birthday episode is brought to you by HelloFresh, home cooking made easy. Welcome to the Seize the Yay podcast. Busy and happy are not the same thing. We too rarely question what makes the heart sing. We work, then we rest, but rarely we play and often don't realise there's more than one way. So this is a platform to hear and explore the stories of those who found lives they adore. The good, bad and ugly, the best and worst day will bear all the facets of seizing your yay. I'm Sarah Holloway, or Spoonful of Sarah, a lawyer turned fun entrepreneur who swapped the suits and heels to co-found Matcha Maiden and Matcha Milk Bar. Seize the Yay is a series of conversations on finding a life you love and exploring the self-doubt, challenge, joy and fulfilment along the way. Hello, beautiful people. I promised you a 30th birthday episode, so here it is. I'm a little bit nervous, actually. I don't usually just speak off the bat. You know, there's always a guest, there's always questions. So I kind of was like, do I plan it? Do I just speak and see what comes out? So I'm just going to speak and see what comes out. I don't really have a plan. I haven't thought about the questions too much because I thought it would be far more interesting to just see sort of what comes out of my mouth. But that also means I could ramble and I'm really prone to doing that. So I'm sorry in advance. But, you know, I actually ended up getting some amazing questions from you all. Thank you so much to everyone who submitted a question on Instagram or by email. It was amazing to see what you guys actually find is interesting. So I've tried to answer them all. I've kind of grouped them all together in little topics, which has sort of given me a little bit of structure to start with. Uh, And hopefully I cover everything, but I could end up being here for a long time. Oh, my God, I'm really sorry. I know I'm going to ramble on, so I'm sorry in advance. (laughs) So I decided to wait to record until the day after my third. I was going to record it on the weekend. Nick was absolutely amazing and whisked me away for a surprise retreat, which we ended up in Port Ferry. And it was absolutely amazing, even though we nearly got attacked by a seal, which was just, oh my God. And the next day, an article came out about a woman who went to hospital because the seal attacked her. It wasn't me, thank God. But yeah, it was very aggressive. But apart from that, it was a delightfully relaxing holiday. And I took on my recording gear because I thought, you know, I'm going to be reflecting a lot. I'll probably have a lot of revelations. I'll want to share about, you know, becoming a 30-year-old and entering a new decade and what the last one's been like. But I'm really glad I waited because I thought, you know, I might have some more revelations or feelings waking up the next day as a 30-year-old. And lucky I did because I had the biggest surprise of my whole life last night. If you haven't seen my Instagram or my Facebook, my amazing bestie Ange and fiance Nick organized my dream 30th with a room full of my nearest and dearest friends and family. And I literally had sent Ange as a joke a photo from Pinterest and you know what Pinterest is like it's like your ultimate dream but not actually what's realistic of this beautiful setting with like a grazing table and fairy lights all over the place and I walked in and it was exactly that like I don't even know how she made it happen and I'm still full of goosebumps it was just beyond my wildest dreams and I I can't have imagined a better present than to walk into a room with all the people who have been part of the journey so far and them all in the one room you know when your people meet your people and they're all chatting. Anyway, it's it was just, I just, I still haven't really processed it. It was just the most amazing night. But that's also meant that I have a lot more feelings to talk about. So many feels. So I won't start saying thank yous because I know I'll be here all day. I still can't really find words to thank every single person, not only who was there last night and not only for all their incredible gifts and such beautiful messages, but just for everyone who's really been part of the journey so far, particularly because 30 is one of those occasions where you do kind of look back at where you've come. I think you do realize 
realize a little bit more who you are and, and become a little bit more comfortable with that. But it's also a really lovely occasion to look back at all the people who have helped you get to where you are and shaped you in some way. And there are so many. There are all the people in the room that I love dearly. And then there are all the people who aren't in the room who I also am so grateful to. So, okay, I'm getting distracted on thank yous already. Anyway, such a special night. I, I could not be more grateful. And I'm so lucky that I get to share my birthday with my younger brother, Alex, who is a little bit of a hard ass, but can be a real softy at times and made the most beautiful speech. We've shared our birthday for 26 years. We actually were, I think I've mentioned this in episode one, but if you haven't caught up yet, we are both adopted from Korea when we were five months old we came to Australia obviously at different times so we went back when I was four to pick him up Um, different biological families but we have the same birthday and his speech was so cute it was all about how he doesn't believe in fate he doesn't believe in destiny but then what are the chances that these two little Korean babies who aren't from the same family have the same birthday and end up in the same Aussie family it was just so sweet and he ended up saying I don't have any words left like I don't know what else to say but we all knew he was trying not to cry and it was just the most beautiful thing and yeah I love him so much so it was even more special because he was in on the secret it's very hard to surprise me like I'm pretty on the ball but I'm also kind of vague so I don't know maybe it was easy to surprise me but I genuinely had no idea like to the point where Ange said she'd planned something but it was for next weekend so I'd literally planned like a spray tan I'd planned to get my outfit I was like yeah cool all ready for next weekend next minute came home from a trip away with Nick had been in the ocean hadn't had a shower literally this is going to be way too much information had my granny undies on because I was like cool I'm just going to barbecue with my family turned out there were 50 people in the room so lucky I put some makeup on because mum was like um it's your 30th we're probably going to take some photos like maybe just like fix your face a little bit I was like okay cool thanks mum anyway so that answers the very first question which was from yoga with Tracy who is absolutely lovely who asked how I'm celebrating so if I had recorded this on the weekend I would have said I'm having a beautiful barbecue with my family which is what we do every year especially because my brother and I share our birthdays but turns out I was actually going to the most beautiful room filled with a grazing board and fairy lights and they had these hilarious you know how I post if you don't know I post because I sometimes think photos of me with makeup or that are really posed I'm like oh that's not really me all the time I'm usually gross a bit more feral and I don't usually wear makeup and so I post my bloops which is all the really ugly photos that just catch you at a bad angle or when you turn your phone around and you just get your chin because it's on selfie mode like all those ones I post them in a folder and I keep them on my Instagram just to like kind of keep me level and not get carried away thinking I'm too good looking with all the filters on and whatever (laughs) and and printed out all of them and hung them on the back were quotes of the day and then on the front were just my face but in the most ugly formation they've ever been in and and then we played this game which was amazing that was like guess what year this photo was taken in or guess whether this is an Asian baby from Google or whether it's Sarah and the way that you voted you know it was kind of like bingo but you had to put your paddle up for the answer it was like literally four different ugly photos of my face it was like the actual best night ever Tracy thank you so much for the question that is how I celebrated and I can't believe I've already used seven minutes talking about that see how I get on a tangent so I thought I would do the birthday specific questions first because they're kind of the most relevant but I also got a couple of other questions more general like what have your favorite moments been a bit more about business and then just some like cute general questions so I'll start with birthdays the first question is kind of two similar versions of the same question from Missy Rees and Annie Kate Towers, which was basically just, where did you think you would be at 30 when you were 20? So what did you think you would achieve by this age? What did you think would be important to you? And for me, that was a huge 
huge point of difference from where I actually am to where I thought I'd be. Because at 20, I thought I would be a lawyer. I literally was doing law, studying law to get into a law firm. I can't remember if I had my job yet or not, but I was still at uni. I hadn't graduated yet, but I was, you know, aiming to get my job. Back then you could apply really early to kind of get your grad position locked in. At the time I was applying for what ended up six or seven years later, coming out was an amazing opportunity to do a high court associateship with a high court judge who the judge I ended up getting a position with six years later was now the chief justice of the high court, uh, Justice Kiefel. So I really thought I was going heavy into law and, you know, the biggest change I ever thought that I would make was started a firm, maybe go and study, do a master's of law at Cambridge or Oxford. I really thought I'd go heavy academic and then maybe come back. And the furthest I sort of thought I'd branch out was diplomacy to use my languages or an in-house legal role where instead of working for a firm and doing work for lots of different companies, you go in-house and become the lawyer for that company. So you kind of get just one client you get a lot deeper into the day-to-day so they have you on site all the time generally it's a lot better hours it's a little bit more balanced than when you're kind of wheeling and dealing when you're a junior and you're doing deals for lots of different companies at once so when I was 20 that's where I thought I'd be at 30 I thought I would have maybe made senior associate which is the level between being a junior like a solicitor and being a partner. So there's this senior associateship promotion that you get, you know, a couple of years in. That's when you sort of start thinking about maternity leave. And once you've earned that, you can kind of not relax a little bit. Obviously, the responsibility gets bigger, but I didn't really think much further than that. I was like, at 30, I'm going to have a really good job. I already was at a great firm. I'm going to have climbed this ladder. You know, we'll have a baby. I'll have a mortgage and I'll be really stable and secure and enjoying still being, you know, a a total law nerd. So (laughs) I thought that things like security and financial metrics and positions and promotions and climbing the ladder, but also experiencing everything that I could within a law degree, I thought that would be important to me. I thought that I would measure my success in different ways. I thought I would measure my milestones in different ways and measure life experience in different ways. I thought maybe working overseas and getting experience in a different jurisdiction would be really important. Interestingly, Everything I really envisioned for myself before 30 and up to 30 was very career focused. And then I just had it in my mind that 30 was when I'd really kind of click over into, okay, now it's time. I've worked really hard in my career. Now it's time to kind of focus on children. I would have maternity leave available to me by then. You know, that's, it was just very traditional and predictable, With it's absolutely nothing wrong with that, but it obviously has turned out to be completely the opposite of that. So my expectations were very, very different. And I think one of the most important things I've learned is that what you think you'll be at 30 when you're 20, it's important to have that vision, but you just You have to be open-minded to the fact that over the course of 10 years, things might change. And particularly in this day and age, they probably will change. And often things turn out not the way you thought they would, but they often turn out better. So if you stay open-minded to that, you just have to go with where life takes you, but also make plans to kind of direct it where you want to go. But if I'd really stuck with what I had expected for myself and what goals I had set without being flexible, I would have ended up there and never known what else could have happened. So it's actually a really, really fun time for me to look back because it's the first time I've put my head up and taken a breath and thought, wow, like 
20-year-old me really had a different idea and how exciting to look back at how different it's turned out. Like you just never know what's going to happen, no matter how set in your ways you think you are. And no matter how set at 20 you think you are about what you want to do, the person you are at 20 is not the person you're going to be for the rest of your life. As crazy as that sounds when you're 20, I thought I was done. I thought I knew who I was. I thought I knew everything about myself and what I wanted. And it turns out I actually knew very little. So the next question was, how did I feel when I turned 20 versus how I feel about turning 30? That was from Celine Torres. And I think it's a really interesting question because there is so much attached to being 30. It's so crazy. When you turn 20, it's kind of exciting because you've been 18. So you've kind of crossed the milestone of driving and drinking legally and all of those things. So 20, I don't think it's got that same amount of change attached to it or social growth or or whatever, you know, it's not a a significant birthday. You've kind of done that 18 and 20 is like, okay, yeah, I'm in my 20s now. And I remember thinking, oh God, that sounds like really mature compared to when you're a teenager. But 30, I think it comes with a lot more expectation of yourself. It comes with a little bit more apprehension, a little bit more fear. I don't think you go into 20 thinking that you have many regrets. I think you're still very young and I think, you know, you're kind of excited, but you're kind of not really thinking about your birthdays. Maybe 21 is when you're like, oh, wow, I'm I'm like another milestone in. But 30 is when society really starts to expect things of you. So interestingly, I don't think I thought anything of my 20th. I think I just thought, oh, cool, it's my 21st next year. I'll think about it then. I think I was excited for what was to come. I was at uni. I was really, really good at making the most of every opportunity I had very early. I think being adopted kind of ingrains that into you, that you're so lucky to be here. You need to make the most of every opportunity, which, as you can see, is (laughs) stuck with me and my personality. Uh, But I don't think I thought anything of it except I'm very lucky and I want to be in my 20s and fully enjoy being in my 20s. I love the independence, but I love having a little bit more control over what I do. So I was traveling, I was saving, I was using the fact that I was a uni student to really enjoy that time. I was definitely a lot more carefree. I don't think I knew that I was as carefree. I think you think life is very serious by then, but it's actually not as serious as you think it is. Um, But I definitely didn't have the same level of same level of apprehension. And I don't know about fear, but just a feeling of like the significance of the birthday. Like 30 is just, I don't know what it is about it. There's just something that everyone attaches so much significance to it. And you're really battling with like, am I grateful to reflect? Am I scared? Am I like, oh my God, I'm not an adult yet. Like I just don't, I've just come to realize I don't think you'll ever feel as adult as you are. So my first reaction was like, oh my God, 30 sounds like, I literally thought I would have two houses, three babies, blah, blah, blah. And now I'm like, I'm still a child. Like there is no way that I could look after. I would be that person who leaves their baby on the bus right now. I'm so vague. (laughs) As cluggy as I am, I think I'm feeling really excited. If anything, I'm probably feeling more excited turning 30 than I did when I was 20 because I think you go into your 20s a little bit unsure who you are. You're a little bit unsure of the future. You're a little bit unsure of like what is going on in life. When you turn 30, yes, it's scary because you're entering this expected time of being an adult. You can't be as silly and carefree anymore, but you, you almost become a lot less apologetic for who you are. You're like, actually, I spent my 20s worrying about meeting everyone else's expectations and being a certain person. Now I figured out who I am and I'm actually just going to be that person and really enjoy it, which I think is why people say your 30s is your best decade. So I thought I would be a lot more, not regretful, but just like, oh my God, it's 30. But I haven't actually been that that way. And I think it's because I look back and I don't think that I didn't make the most of my 20s. I never look back and think, I wish I should have done that because I really gave everything a go. And the things I didn't give a go, I 
I know why I didn't. I didn't have time or I chose something else. I'm I'm very happy with all the decisions that I made. But yeah, another question that kind of leads from that from Fitalicious Vegan Barbie was whether I was scared of entering my 30s and what will I take with me that I learned from my 20s. And yeah, I definitely think everyone goes through a little breakdown as the birthday approaches. Mine was probably six months ago rather than now. I think as I started to be, I kind of think mid 20s goes up to 29.5. And then everything after that, you can like, get worried about your 30. So at 29.5, I was like, oh my God, it's my 30th. I got to start thinking about it. What am I going to do? And that's when I was like, oh my God, I haven't had babies. Like I don't have savings. You know, all my money has been in this business and we're, you know, it's just all the things that I thought I would have by this age, you start to measure yourself. And the biggest question that I got, which I wasn't actually going to go to yet, but it obviously has come up naturally is that is the comparison. I literally had maybe 10 or 12 questions come in. It was Jessica Grace, Romy Gelombic, Wydell, K with lots of underscores, K, and Jess the Rose and quite a few other people asking about being scared or worrying about your age and whether you're achieving enough, not comparing yourself to everyone, that pressure to be set up by 30, you know, that pressure to have a house and marriage and kids or being left behind if friends are already married with kids. I think it's real. I think that's a really big part of it. And most people, not everyone, I don't think most people are phased, but at some point between like 28 and 32, I think most of us have that where we're like, oh my God, am I where I should be? Where is everyone else? It's the time when probably across a friendship group, you're the most spread across life milestones. I kind of think early in your 20s, you're all pretty similar, but between 25 and 35, people are either on their first baby or or 10 years away from it. And that's fine. Like there's a 10-year grace period, but it does mean that because everyone's so different, there is even more comparison than usual. And we're prone to comparison anyway. Like we're built to compare ourselves to other people, as I always talk about on the podcast with self-doubt. Comparison is the thief of joy, but you can't help it. That's, of course, your milestone for what you're doing. And and societal pressure and in the age of social media where everyone else's lives is so accessible to you, whereas before you wouldn't have known what they were doing, definitely not just the highlights as well, we're now encouraged to actively compare ourselves all the time. So definitely had an element of fear, definitely have undergone that whole comparison pressure feeling towards this particular birthday, but also just in general. And I think it just really, really comes back to whether it's around your 30th or not. Of course, you go through it. I went through it for a couple of months of just working through if I was okay with the fact that my senior associate friends in the law firms now have really good incomes, security, mortgages, children. And I'm sitting here thinking I couldn't afford any of that because on the flip side, my choice meant that I got a lot of freedom and a lot of time and flexibility and a lot of capital growth that they don't have. So no matter what choice you've made, I think comparison is the thief of joy because you never you can never compare to what's actually happening in someone's life anyway you don't know that you know the people that are having babies had to have babies early because they might have endometriosis or you know you just never ever know what's going on behind closed doors so comparison for for like on the surface of other people's lives is firstly something i really try to remind myself is not actually comparing apples with apples and secondly I think the beauty of entering your 30s is that you kind of let go of that you kind of just come into your own and realize who you are and that your path is exactly where you're meant to be and that that's okay and I know that's really hard it's not as practical and maybe not it's hard to say just feel okay with it but I really think self-work and self-development takes work. It literally just takes practice of saying that to yourself, that exactly where I am is exactly where I'm meant to be. And that's okay. And I might not be as sure as other people, but they might look at me and think, 
God, I wish I hadn't locked myself down so early. There are pros and cons to every single life structure. And it's also never too late ever for anything. So either you're not happy with where you are and it's a great time for you to change it, or you are happy with you are with where you are, but you're getting distracted and thinking you're double guessing that happiness against other people. And that's something you need to stop doing. So I think either way, you're always in control of where you're going. Like You can't control what life is going to throw at you, but you're always in control of your reaction to it and what you do with that. Acknowledge the comparison as completely natural. But think about where you are and why your journey is special and the amazing people you have around you or the amazing things that you've done that other people might not have been able to do. And you start to feel a lot better with yourself. The biggest thing that really brings me back to earth, of course, is a quote and that you've probably heard me say it before. And that's never regret growing older for it is a privilege denied to many. And so I think if I ever feel scared about my 30s or if I ever start comparing, I'm like, compare it to you know, a really good friend of mine from high school got leukemia in year 12 and didn't didn't make it through. And I think compare it to that. I made it to my 30s and I might obviously not think every decision I made was amazing, but I had the liberty to make that decision. And that's amazing. I still have beautiful friends. I still have beautiful family. I still have beautiful opportunities to have a beautiful day every day. Even if it's a crap day, it's still a beautiful day because it is what you make it. I think that really helps with the comparison and pressure. And the other big thing, with it, like with any pressure, it's the same with your Instagram feed. If you're feeling an endless comparison towards everyone in your Instagram feed, you just need to start following other people. It's the same. We we are getting really good at knowing about toxic relationships in real life and curating the people around us to be uplifting and encouraging and supportive of our dreams. You know, Oprah says, surround you with surround yourself with people who only lift you higher. We all listen to Oprah, but we don't curate our Instagram feeds the same way. We still follow stuff that is like a car accident. You want to look at it, but you can't look away. Like, you, yeah, you, you just keep following these things and making yourself feel crap about it. I think if you have less people around you or things or accounts or whatever it is, influences around you that make you feel inadequate, just get rid of them as much as you can and you'll start to feel it less. Surround yourself with people who embrace where you are and think it's exciting or who support where you are. I wouldn't feel as comfortable as I am if I didn't have every single person around me telling me that their 30s is the best decade they've had or that it's so exciting or celebrating that I've had an amazing decade from 20 to 30 and I should be so excited to be here. You know, that's the stuff that you need to have in the people around you and that makes it so much more exciting. So, That leads to another question, which is from Alex Griffiths. And the question was, have you always looked in the mirror and understood your place? And that is a really interesting one because I think a lot of us struggle with that and absolutely not. I have even still sometimes look in the mirror and still don't know what my place is. And that's, I think, really natural. It takes a very long time, a lot of experimenting and a lot of shit times to be able to find the good times to figure out what your place is. And also your place changes Like over decades, you know, we don't have just one job or one journey in our lives. Life moves so fast. We don't even have one partner in our lives these days most of the time. So I think you do have, I've had times where I look at the mirror and I know exactly where I'm meant to be and what I'm meant to do, but I also have other days every other day where I'm like, what the hell is going on? So I think that's very natural. It's really about just surrounding yourself with people who remind you what you're supposed to be doing and where you're meant to be. And if you're not there, who are going to help you get there? I'm rambling so much. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Now I'm like, see, self-doubt comparison. I'm like, oh my God, is this even worth listening to? Oh my God, I'm so sorry. Please turn it off if it's already draining your life. But I'm going to keep going because I've said I'll do it now. So another question from Tyne Zenner and Rita Pog. 
is my thoughts on aging gracefully. So that, and like the 30s versus 20 is what you've learned about yourself so far. So I'm very lucky that even though I have a completely white Aussie brain, I have Asian genes. So that has been very favorable in the aging gracefully in the physical sense. I have very good Asian skin. I don't have many lines yet, but I think age is really something that you carry with you. And I have an amazing, I can't obviously name names. There are so many people in my network who are the same age who look decades apart. And I don't think it's got to do anything with their physical appearance. I think it's how you carry yourself. I think it's how you present yourself. I think it's the clothes you choose to wear, the language you choose to use and the mindset that you choose to have. So I've watched my mum, you know, who looks 15 years younger than she is because she's so well looked after her skin when she was young. She still carries that because she hangs around us all the time. She stays young. Whereas every time she goes to say, I'm going to stop dyeing my hair, I'm like, mom, you might as well go and wear pharmacy shoes from the chemist, the comfs or hush puppies or whatever. Like you might as well just let it all go because you'll fall into like an older person mentality, which is absolutely fine. But it's just such an interesting example of the fact that you age as much as your mind lets you. So if you feel like an old person, you feel withered and weary and tired you can look 10 years older than you actually are and if you're feeling energetic and happy and excited for the future and you think I've got you know an amazing few decades ahead of me and I can still do that I think it really projects and all of you will be able to name at least one person who you would call ageless who you they could be you know 40 or 70 and you really wouldn't know the difference I think they're a perfect example Ada Buttrose I think is one of those she you just have no idea how old she is she could be any age and she transcends age because she just refuses to let it define her and that's how I want to age I think that's the most graceful way to age is not to fight it so much physically I think we spend a lot of time focusing on that and on de-wrinkling and you know all that kind of stuff and I think if that makes you confident in yourself that's absolutely amazing you do you do whatever makes you feel good about yourself. But I think more of it is in your how you carry yourself and the mindset that you have, just the same as anything else. If you have a, a mindset of abundance, you will be abundant. If you have a mindset of poverty, you will not attract you know abundance towards you. If you have a mindset of being tired, you'll be tired. If you have a mindset of not recovering from an illness, you won't recover. Like your mind controls a lot more than we even can begin to understand yet. So I kind of always try and have a mindset of aging gracefully, no matter what age I am, and not letting my age define me, which is, of course is easy to say at 30. But I hope that that carries through to the next couple of decades. If I'm still doing a podcast at my, at my 40th, I'll let you know how it goes. <laughs> so next section is lessons. Best advice you would give to your 25-year-old self from Nat PLSSR. I'm just like taking everyone's Instagram name, so I'm sorry if I don't know your full name. But thank you so much for the question. I have so much advice, pretty much every quote that's in my flip book. Doubt kills more dreams than failure ever will. Don't let that control you. Everything happens for a reason is the best advice that I can give any one. The universe always explains it later. You just have to be patient and understand that you're usually getting thrown something because you're strong enough to fight it and because it's going to teach you something. So always try and find the lesson in everything. Uh, you're the sum of the five people you spend the most time with. No matter what you do, it takes a village. So surround yourself with the right people. Trust the process. Always control your reaction. So 90%, wait, life is 10% what happens to you, 90% what you make of it. I truly believe that. There are some things that you can't avoid that are shit, but you can control whether it's like 100% shit or 10% shit based on how you respond to it. And that takes a lot of practice and a lot of control. But you, uh, there's a really beautiful quote in the quote book, but I can't remember what it is off the top of my head about a flower doesn't compete with a flower next to it. It just blooms. And I think, again, you never know what's happening behind closed doors. You are on your, your own beautiful journey and you will come to learn in your 30s that what makes you different is what makes you beautiful. So don't try and be 
someone else. Just be okay with who you are. Gosh, so Unfit and Improper, who's one of my dear friends, asked, what did your 20s teach you that will change the way you live your 30s? Why Dell asked biggest lessons. Nikki TJ asked, what did I wish I knew in my early 20s? So basically all of those things, I think, just learning to be okay with who you are and where life takes you and just trusting the process and always be open-minded because obviously life can throw you in a completely opposite direction. And you can either take that and go with it or you can ignore it and end up still on the same path. But either way, the biggest lesson I've learned in the whole time is you have a lot more control over your happiness than you think. I think we kind of feel like we're stuck in situations that we might not not necessarily be in and obviously there are some very serious situations that you can't get out of just by thinking your way out but not every situation is like that and it would be a shame for you not to explore the true heights of your happiness by just you know being a little bit more open-minded to things which is yeah where the real magic happens which is so exciting so Fidelicious Vegan Barbie had another question which is what are you looking forward to in your 30s and I have to say I'm actually a lot more excited than I thought I would be but I think it is really exciting to think of a decade where you just give no fucks excuse my French but where you just realize who you are and you're happy with it and you're fine and you stop comparing yourself so much I mean obviously you still do but you learn a little bit more to just be okay with it and you're reminded a bit more about what's important so for me like family I really want to have a family we're getting married at the end of this year we hopefully have kids you know not too far after that we have two beautiful businesses the podcast has been absolutely mind-blowing and created another beautiful community I can't wait to see what happens in the next decade and knowing how much changed and how much fit into the last decade I can't even imagine what's going to happen in the next one especially being able to impart all that into children will just be so so exciting and I think also by the time you're 30 you figure out who your true people are and then being able to just enjoy their company and adventure with them is just so exciting so I can't I actually can't wait I didn't think I'd be like one of those like yay 30 is so exciting people but I really am <laughs> so yes Ellen RW I do plan on having kids I don't have a timeline I think that's one of the things I used to have I thought literally I would have my first child at 28 I'm now obviously my child is like two years old in my brain now and I'm definitely not ready for that I think if I had a timeline it wouldn't do justice to who I want to be as a mother I don't think it's a really good time right now for us because I couldn't be the mother that I'd want because the businesses are still very demanding on our time and energy and also I think with fertility and not having a medical history being adopted that's like quite an interesting thing I can't put a timeline on it because I just don't know it doesn't always happen just kind of a click of a finger like like we tend to think it is when we're younger so yeah don't have a timeline Emily Drennan also asked that question are kids in your plan or are you more business orientated I definitely don't think I'm business orientated over family but I think to be the best mother that I want to be the businesses aren't in a stage now where I could give it justice and I think I just need to you know we need to work a little bit hard to put better processes in as we kind of approach that time which is again a really really exciting time we have a beautiful little nephew who's one and a half nearly two and that has just brought so much joy and really made us both really clucky so that's really exciting if you're anything like me at some point during this episode your mind will probably wander to the age-old question of what do we have for dinner so I figured I'd give you a little tip HelloFresh is an amazing, convenient way to cook healthy meals at home, whether you're a seasoned home cook or beginner, without the unnecessary stress of making decisions and gathering ingredients. 
Boxes of high-quality sustainable produce from locally sourced farmers are delivered straight to your home or office door and are packed so they can stay fresh for 30 hours without refrigeration. There are different delivery days and times to suit your needs and you can choose recipes up to six weeks in advance. The recipes are so easy to follow with step-by-step guides and options to fulfill any dietary requirements or preferences. It has saved us so much time and angst in these busy days without sacrificing on good, healthy food to fuel your lifestyle. It also saves so much wastage as you only get the portions you need for your recipe, which is a huge plus for us. You'll love the variety and ease. It's life-changing. So here's a little discount code for you to give it a go. Just use Seize the Yay at the checkout with no spaces and the link will be in the show notes. So that brings us to the next section, which is favourites of the last decade, but also generally. So Nikki TJ asked what the most proud moments would be, maybe including how your face is in the Menzies building at Monash, which I didn't know. So Monash is my university, which I absolutely loved. They were absolutely incredible supported all my travel. They have grants for everything. They support everything that you do. It's just unbelievable place to learn. Obviously, you can go through any university and skate through and not make the most of those opportunities. But if you're willing to put in the work or the research or just look into what they have to offer, there's so much. I literally paid for like four exchanges during my time. So that's a very proud moment to know that my university has put my face up in the building. I don't even know what picture it is. So I hope it's not like my dorky student uni photo from my ID like back in the day because that was really horrific. And some really great banger old photos came out last night of like I had a really bad phase where I had tiger stripes in my hair because I thought I'm Asian, like bright blonde streaks is going to be real subtle. Yeah, like so fashion. Anyway, so that was not one of my proudest moments. I have so many. I really do. I think leaving my job was a really, really big one. But even before that, in my law career, there are still moments that I'm really proud of just becoming a solicitor. You get admitted after a year of work. I think knowing how hard I worked for that and to get admitted at a really great firm was incredible. Being sent to Hong Kong was incredible. Getting the position with the High Court Justice was mind-blowing. And then to have to say no to that because of our business was, again, like knowing that it was big enough to go full-time was one of my proudest moments. Another one was being able to hire my mum full-time, which was just, I can't even explain it. If you follow me at all, you'll know the significance of Mama Holloway. She's just an absolute angel and is the reason I'm every part of who I am. One of the most proud moments was bringing her into the business, which was absolutely incredible. Yeah, getting uh, becoming a finalist for the Telstra Business Awards and then the Telstra Business Women's Awards the year after, getting into the Chobani program, uh, flying to New York and seeing ourselves in Urban Outfitters. There's just been so so many highlights getting engaged was a huge highlight oh there's just I can't I can't even explain how many how many proud moments there have been and it's actually really exciting to shift from a a mindset of trying to hide your success because you feel like you're tooting your own horn and I really don't ever want to you know do that too much but also being able to sit back and actually admit that you're really proud of what you're doing you know I was part of an amazing campaign with Bumble for International Women's Day of eradicating tall poppy syndrome and encouraging us all to celebrate our successes instead of kind of downplaying them and it's been nice to think how many proud moments I've had in the last decade so and and so great to have been able to share all of them with incredible incredible people so Laura White asked what my favorite travel experience has been so far which is a great question because we are endless wanderlusters and actually have found that since 
starting a business, we've travelled less than we did before that. Not less, but more to the same locations because, uh, you know, we have a warehouse in the US, so we've been back and forth from the same places and haven't adventured as much. Um, but we've always been big adventurers. Nick and I have matching tattoos, actually, that say they're little compasses when we hit 30 countries together. And they say N and S, obviously North and South, but Nick and Sarah, but North and South, if we ever broke up and now that we're engaged, it's fine. <laughs> so picking a favourite would be so, so difficult. We've done some really crazy things. We've been to India with our dear friend, Samantha Gash, an ultramarathon runner. She's taken us to India to do an ultramarathon in the Himalayas between the two highest roads in the world, which was absolutely incredible. We've been to Africa. I think Rwanda was definitely a highlight. Um, I, you know, had really done much more traditional travel until that point. I'd lived in Paris. I studied there, did law in French for a while, which was crazy. Luckily, uh, I did end up learning to speak French fluently after that, but it was just a very, very difficult time. <laughs> I, you know, I'd been to China. I'd been to Southeast Asia. I've traveled all around Europe. So I'd done more conventional travel, but uh, India and Africa were much more challenging and much more adventurous. So really exciting, like the smallest planes I've ever seen. We went on safari in the Serengeti and then we built schools like literally literally built mud bricks to build the walls in schools out in country Rwanda, which was so eye-opening and such an incredible experience. And actually where I picked up the parrot site that ended up banning me from coffee, which led to founding Matcha. So yeah, everything happens for a reason. I think India and Africa would be two really big highlights, but we also did an amazing Middle East trip when I finished uni to celebrate. Um, and just before I started at the firm, cause I knew I wouldn't be able to travel for a little while. That trip was, uh, what did we start? We went to Dubai and then Israel, Jordan and Turkey and we had Egypt on the cards but our tourist bus exploded before we got there so we had to cancel it. So we're actually going to go honeymoon in Egypt for something different. But back to the travel experience, Jordan and Petra, I cried. I don't cry very often but just from the sheer expanse of that place and I truly believe some places vibrate at a different frequency to other places. They're so special. There's just so much stuff that's happened there and so many people who have been through and you just can't even imagine how without technology they built things so grand and enormous and detailed and yeah it was just mind-blowing and Jerusalem is just such a special place I think travel is such an important way to open your mind and explain the world to you and all three of those places really expanded my brain and taught me a lot about people and the world and who I am and where my boundaries are and out of the comfort zone, you know, all those things. And I definitely have Nick to thank for that because I was not adventurous beforehand. <laughs> Top three places that I want to go from Yoga with Tracy. Um, Egypt is obviously a really big one on the cards for us. We've both decided to go on a honeymoon because we've both been fascinated by Egyptian mythology since we were kids, which is so weird. I don't know why. Hieroglyphics fascinate me and the pyramids are just beyond I can't yeah I've, I was about to say I can't even but I'm like that sounds so bad but I say that all the time so I can't even <laughs> so Egypt would have to be one the Maldives and Sri Lanka would be another um we didn't want to do our honeymoon there though because I think it's you know everyone does a honeymoon there now so I think we'll save it for something else and then Vietnam because Ange is you know our beautiful little sister we've adopted her into the family it's her homeland and we would love to go there uh, especially with her as a tour guide because she speaks Vietnamese really helpful so the next section is business so Cara Brett 130 and a couple of others have asked me to tell my story as a quick recap but now that I realize I'm already 40 minutes in I think I will direct you guys back to the very first episode 
episode where I tell the story and Ange actually interviews me. And a lot of people forgot that I did that episode because it was so long ago now. It was like five months ago. Oh my God. Head back to episode one to listen to how Matcha started and then how the Milk Bar started and then how the podcast started. And it's kind of all explained there. I'll move on to the more detailed questions since I've already gas bagged on for this long. And if there are any other questions, of course, at any time, please ask, submit questions, submit feedback, submit requests. A little more specific, PNG style M-A-N-G-I, Manji, asked, what was it like transitioning from a full-time law job to doing what you do and what are the top three things that helped in the process? So it was actually a lot harder than I thought it was going to be. I thought I would... Not that it would be seamless, but I just kind of thought going from a really, really structured environment to being able to do what I want would be, you know, you think doing what you want is actually easy. It's actually very hard because suddenly you don't have any time markers. You have no one to tell you what to do. You have no KPIs. You have no due dates. You have no structure. You have no weekend. You have no finish time or start time. It's all very blurry, which is delightful for the first few weeks. And then you're like, oh, I should probably get out of my pajamas and like do something. Or the opposite happens where you're like, oh, I should probably get out of my pajamas and have a shower and stop working because you go the other way and you just keep working because it all feels like fun it was your hobby it didn't used to be work so now you're kind of like you know it's not work so why do I ever need to stop and that was my problem I got way too excited about moving into something that I love doing turned my passion into my profession and then absolutely killed myself by taking no breaks because I didn't think I needed them one of the top three things that helped in the process was structure even though I thought I loved having none of it, you need some of it. And it took me about a year to figure that out. So you need to have start times and finish times, even if you don't stick to them. You need to have that kind of guideline for yourself. You need break times, you need to eat, you need a lunch break, you need weekends or even just one day of a weekend. Of course, when you run your own business, you're always going to want to look at your phone. You're always going to need to like check on things. You're probably never going to switch off properly. But if you can at least carve out times where you're going to be a little bit more conscious about eating or taking a break to work out or looking after yourself or doing something that's for your yay. That's how this podcast kind of came about was I just consumed myself with matcha and the businesses. I couldn't take a break. I wasn't doing anything for joy. And because all of it had turned into work, it was hard to separate. Everything was my joy because I love what I do. But then you don't make time for rest. Your brain doesn't have a break. You lose your creativity. All of those things happen. So the second big thing that helped me in the process, the second big realization would be that you can't do a good job if a good job is the only thing you do. You need to have other times in your life, even if you feel like you don't need it because you'll become stale. You need to get outside of what you do to be able to look at it from you know, an outsider's perspective and reevaluate, reassess, refill your cup, or just look at other stuff and get out of your rut. You can get in a rut really easily. And I think the third thing that's really helped and the other top lesson, Art by Ames also asked what my top lessons were. So those are my three. The, the third would be your network is, I think there's an, a quote, your network is your net worth. And I think that's absolutely imperative that very, very few people who are individually successful did it without an enormous network of people behind them. You, It takes a village. They say it about raising children, but I think it's the same about raising business babies. You can't do anything without the support of other people. So your network is incredibly important. And when you're out in business, you don't have colleagues. You don't have a boss. You don't, I mean, it's you. You usually don't start off with staff, but you don't have colleagues to bounce things off or to delegate to or to just chat with or be around. It can be really isolating. It can be really lonely. And you also stop learning. You stop asking for help because there's not a logical person for you to go to. So 
networking as widely and as broadly as you can, not being afraid to ask people things because they'll say yes a lot more than you think. It's really surprising. People are always like, how do you get people on your podcast? I'm like, I just ask them nicely. I just say something really nice. Usually I've built up a relationship with them before and then I ask them nicely and they often say yes and you'd be surprised. So another big lesson is if you don't ask, it's a no. So you might as well ask because there's at least a chance that it'll be yes. And that applies to every opportunity, I think. Just put yourself out there. As long as you say it in a nice way and you're not being super demanding, you'll get a yes a lot more than you think. So definitely, definitely go for it. And doubt and awkwardness, you know, all that stuff is going to get in your way, but you might as well just push through it, whatever it is, and just ask because you'll end up in a spot that you never thought you'd be able to get to. This next one from Maddie Chedid and Pie-Faced was advice for someone who doesn't enjoy their job and doesn't know what to do in life or advice for people who don't know where their interests lie. So that's a really, really good one that I talk about often. Firstly, I would say that you don't have to enjoy your job. I know that sounds terrible, especially because I've moved from a job I didn't enjoy to one that I love. But I really do think, and this is a big part of like exploring seize the A and finding your yay, is that for some people it doesn't have to be in their job. For some people, work is work. And if you turn your passion into your profession, it kills the passion. A lot of artists find that. Nick found that going into creative agency. He's found a lot of his joy has been stifled because he has to create to someone else's brief rather than just doing it because of the joy. To preserve your passion, sometimes you do have to just stick with the job that you don't love because we all have to pay bills. It's easy to say, go follow your dreams, go do what you want. But the reality of life is we have to pay for things. People have children, they have financial obligations. So sometimes your job, it's never been designed to be something that you love. Through history, people have had jobs because they have to pay for things. And fulfillment and joy has not usually been a criteria in that. So sometimes you just need to do your job so that you get paid and then you find your passion outside of it. I think the most important element of yay is that you need to find it in your life somewhere. It doesn't have to be in your job. It can be in your hobbies. It can be in what you do on the weekend. It can be in a side hustle even, even if it's not to make money. It doesn't have to be your job. So I think you just need to make sure that you're finding it somewhere. And then if you can make it your job, that is absolutely amazing. But if you can't, that's also okay. Jobs are meant to be hard, you know. They're me- it's called work for a reason. So as long as you're getting the balance somewhere. But Pieface then said, what about if you don't know where your interests are, which is also where I found myself when I was at the law firm. I was like, I don't really want to be here. And someone was like, well, where would you be instead? And I was like, I actually don't know what I enjoy. And that was a really sad place to be because I didn't make enough time to even have a hobby. And that was a very long process, longer than you would ever expect for finding out what you actually like. It in- and in- for me, it involved a journal. Every time I felt joy, I'd note what activity I was doing and write it down. And then over the course of a couple of months, I'd look back and see which activities, you know, appeared the most. And that's when I started to realize, oh, I obviously gravitate towards those kind of things that involve writing or that involve drawing or creative kind of endeavors. You know, I love doodling. I love making people's invites. Like I would do people's birthday invites and stuff. So I obviously like designing. And that's literally by the process of deduction, you think that you know yourself, but actually you sometimes have to do a lot of investigatory work to get there. And that's where the hard work is. That's where the people who have found their yay are because they've actually investigated who they are and what they love. And some people don't ask the question and then they're like, why don't I know what I like? And it's because you don't just know that stuff. You actually have to like do some work to investigate it. So I think keep a journal, note when you're really happy, note the things you love and you'll slowly, slowly start to realize what you really enjoy and where your interests are, even if it's just purely by saying, I definitely don't like that. 
do it by elimination and you will eventually find the things that are your strengths and, you know, do a little Venn diagram, what I'm good at, what I like. And the middle bit is kind of where that where they cross over is kind of the really exciting part. Tristan Leisha, another dear friend of mine, asked what my personal greatest success is and what's next. That is a very hard one to answer. I don't even know what my greatest success would be in my mind. I think, you know, making such a big jump when I was such a risk averse conservative person from a really stable, you know, I wasn't actually unhappy in law. I really enjoyed what I was doing and I thought it was a really good career that would give me a good life. Leaving that to do something completely speculative, that's probably a big success for me because I'm very open-minded and exploratory. (laughs) Now I am, I wasn't then. So that's a very big achievement to have forced my brain to open, which makes me even more so. Like if you think you're a closed-minded person, you can always change that because I did and I'm like an A-type OCD person. So if I can, you can. Uh, Georgie White asked, you're not even 30 and you've done so much. What's next for your entrepreneurial dreams? Again, I think I just have to stay open-minded. We have three beautiful businesses. Uh, I don't know, you know, the podcast is one now. I would love to just podcast full-time, although I'm now thinking that I ramble too much to do it without guests, so I probably need a guest every week. (laughs) I'm not really sure. It's the first time in a while I haven't really known what's going to come next. I'm just going to keep going with all three of them and just see what happens and not try and plan out too much because the big thing for us is we're getting married this year. So I don't want to go, you know, balls out on anything too crazy and then not be able to enjoy that because you get married once or maybe twice for some people. But I really want to make time to smell the roses this year. So I'm trying not to commit to too many big things so that we can really enjoy that process. Metal Org asked if I'm looking for any charity partnerships in my 30s. And absolutely, I have always been a big uh, volunteer in the community. I've always worked in uh, with lots of different charities. You know, we've did that trip to Rwanda. We worked closely with YGAP. Nick and I were at the Sacred Heart Dining Hall uh, doing a soup kitchen once every fortnight for a couple of years. When I was at the law firm, I always volunteered for the Human Rights uh, Law Resource Centre or the Springvale Monash Legal Service. It's always been a big part of my life to do a lot of community work. I've found since running a business, it's been a lot harder to find the time for that, but I'm definitely open to it and would love to be able to work something that I do back into a charity partnership in some way. I was thinking maybe even with Seize the A, doing something with Beyond Blue because anxiety has been a really big part of my journey. I've probably mentioned it before, but that's been something that's really challenged me a lot and taught me a lot about myself. But I think we could really make it a lot less stigmatized and a lot easier to talk about in, in the community. So perhaps something using the platform as a way to to talk about anxiety and take the taboo out of it. Maybe something like that would be really interesting. Got eight minutes left. I think that's a good time to move on to the last section, which is just general. Monique Negri asked, how did I meet Nick? What was my first impression of him and what was his of me? I can't say what he thought of me. I probably don't want to know (laughs) Uh, because we met in a nightclub in the least sophisticated and classy way. My first impression of him was I thought he was pretty cute and he was pretty confident and it's funny now that I know that he's actually very shy. But at the time I was like, he's cute, he's kind of confident, we're kind of into the same things and we had a really great chat. It turned, he's like did the 2000 and whatever version of sliding into my DMs and slid into my Facebook messages and we had a really great chat and then it just escalated till we were dating very, very quickly. And my first impression of him was true, that he was was kind of a party boy that loved being out on the town but was also a closet nerd and I think he probably thought the same about me and was absolutely true and that's what we bonded over was just being nerdy and (laughs) pretending that we were cool which is exactly how we still are. So (laughs) 
Hawu asked uh, for tips on a long, successful relationship and business. And that has been a very hard one going from having completely separate lives and careers to starting to work together and being in each other's pockets all the time. Thank God we'd done a lot of travel. So we'd been together 24-7 for extended periods of time in difficult circumstances before. But I think the biggest thing is communication. I think that's where everything starts to fall down in any kind of relationship is when people's expectations aren't the same and when they're not communicating how they feel or what they need or what they want. And we have increasingly learned that the only way to get through is to learn to just say what you think and not worry about what's going to happen. Just putting things out there is the best way to clear the air and get through it, especially when you're business partners as well. You have to really put boundaries in of like when you're being business partners or whether you're being a couple. And it's taken us a really long time to learn that. But now with really, really clear communication, I think we're, we're pretty, there's not much that could get in our way now. And I think that's the same with any business relationship or personal relationship, even friendships. It's just anything that goes wrong is communication. So yeah, I think work on that as hard and as long as you can until you will, you'll figure out the best way to, to make things work. A beautiful question from TA2PM, who I met at an event recently and who is absolutely charming. She asked in French, Comment arrives-tu à concilier ta vie privée et pro au quotidien avec Nick? La barrière est si fine. That means, how do you manage to reconcile your private life and professional life on the daily with Nick? Because the line is very fine. And That is absolutely true and so valid. It is a very fine line and the only way has been by clear, clear delineation of those lines. So we literally have times of day when we're business partners and times of day when we're a couple, which we didn't have at the start and it was a disaster. The only way to do it is, again, to communicate that this isn't working and that we're speaking to each other in voices that are not professional or that are too professional but we're being personal, you know, whatever it is just draw often time barriers, like a time of day where it swaps over. Sundays, we don't speak anything related to work unless it's absolutely necessary. And those are the things that have really helped us kind of get through. Again, it's just communication, but about boundaries. Mary Mullers, when are you getting married? Your feelings about getting married? Florine Bree, how's wedding planning going? Really well. We've got almost everything figured out. We have the dress, which is really exciting. And it's all just really starting to come together. So only last minute things. I'm so excited it's we've been together a decade so definitely just very excited finally the stars have aligned to make it the right time for us to really enjoy it and appreciate each other and I, I can't wait especially after this long it'll just be so lovely and also seeing last night having all your favorite people in one room and a wedding being even the even bigger version of that I can't I can't wait I'm so excited Teresa Serrano tips for coping with stress and keeping motivated That is something that I'm still working on. Everyone is different. Our ways of processing stress is very different. And same with what motivates you is very different. I think knowing yourself and what your triggers are is the most important thing. And knowing what are your stresses as well. So for some people, emotional stress is worse. Some people, physical stress is worse. Uh, for some people, relationships, confrontation, like just figure out what really triggers you write it down, you know, self-exploration really takes a lot of writing down and observing. And for me, I have had to realize that I have to cope with not just negative stress, but positive stress as well. So overdoing positive emotion because I am always too excited about life. If I do too many events in a week, it really cooks me. So that's something I've had to learn to cope with. So the big thing has been pacing myself and learning what I have to do in between. And I get 
really bad anxiety and that's been another thing so it's not just stress but it's actual physical anxiety and to manage that I have to meditate every day I have to meditate twice I have to take Sundays off I have to really limit the way that I interact with my phone and put it away early I have to read books and do things that are off my devices I have to walk regularly do lots of exercise and eat really well so there are lots of things that I do to manage my stress that are all really small things that all add up to a big change. Getting enough sleep is a huge thing, which I'm not very good at. And I think all of those things help with keeping motivated. If you're tired and stressed out, motivation is the very last thing your brain wants to feel. So I kind of think there are obviously things that you can do to motivate you, like keep quotes around or listen to podcasts, listen to people that make you feel happy, give yourself little rewards. There are all these physical direct things that you can do, but the indirect things are probably more important. Like make your body in a state that it can feel motivation and that involves not being sleep deprived, not eating crap food, not being exhausted all the time and not having, you know, being surrounded by negative influences. Uh, That's been a really important learning for me. My dear friend Kat Cara, who was there last night, she asked, how am I always so positive? Which again is a really interesting question because I think Nick would beg to differ. I think I'm always very positive on the outside. I'm a very positive person. Um, I don't know what I do for that. I think you just, some people are just born like in Infinitely positive and I just love life so much but I definitely have times where I am not positive and I cannot even think my way out of a hole and I think the most important thing is to give yourself those times so I'm positive most of the time because I let myself have down days I like get really emo when I have my period so on that day I don't plan any meetings or really like excitable things that force me out of that. I let myself have, you know, mope and read a book and watch TV and cry in the fetal position and all that stuff. Again, it's like motivation. Give yourself what you need to be able to stay positive for most of the time and surround yourself with the right people, the right food, the right energy, the right activities. There are so many little things you can do to bring positivity in your life. And I think so many people would be alarmed when they look around and think, I'm not feeling that positive and then look around and do a like sort of spring clean of their life and think, oh, because there's not that many things that are helping me be that. So I think really you can kind of do a stock take every month of what you're doing towards your joy to seize your yay. And even the catchphrase like seize your yay, seize the yay as a catchphrase has really helped me focus my energy on the right things. So find something that kind of helps you channel that. And I think it will help enormously. Hwu has said, how do you fit everything in without needing afternoon naps like me? I literally take afternoon naps most days. (laughs) I've had chronic fatigue in my time and I need more sleep than the average person. So often my way through is to just take a nap when I'm too tired to do anything, but also just knowing what else can help. So eating well, getting enough sleep. If I do miss sleep, kind of trying to catch up and have a sleep in the next day or taking the weekend really easy. Another thing, you know, Maddie Phillips and wellbeing, H-I-J underscore R, also asked about other self-care tips and what I do to look after myself and how how I focus on my health and well-being going into my 30s. You pretty much learn by this point what's good for you and what isn't, and that's different for everyone. And I think listening to that is the most important thing you can do often. We have more information than we think about what we need to do. We just don't want to do it because it's hard or because we can't be bothered or because we just ignore the information. But, you know, your body pretty much tells you what works well for it and what doesn't. So I think just listening to it more, just not letting other things get in the way because it's too easy to do that. And I know when I let myself get carried away, I feel it pretty much straight away. If I get too carried away and I I stray from the things that I know help me, like enough sleep, good food, meditating, um, exercising. My body starts to feel pretty yuck pretty soon. 
you just need to know what works for you. Another big thing that works for me is massage. I used to think, you've heard me bang on about it before if you follow me. Massage I used to think was the biggest indulgence, but it's actually the biggest thing that's ever helped me kind of get a control, get control of my physical tension, let it all out. And it gets me quicker than anything else into a state of relaxation and down from like the crazy anxiety over overfilled, overstimulated form that I get in when I'm like super excited about life. Uh, Yoga with Tracy. What are you watching on Netflix? Everything. (laughs) I watch everything on Netflix, Um, but mostly crime. I love crime and like mysteries. So Blacklist has a new season out, which is absolutely amazing. Uh, Anything crime. I'm just such a crime junkie. And I'm reading three crime books at the moment, which are just my guilty pleasure. I love them so much. Uh, Another darling friend of mine, Khan Ong asked, what kind of apple would you be and does an apple hurt when you make it into a pie? Do you think pineapple is apple? Do you like pears? Because if they're hard and you close your eyes, they're like apples. Thank you, my darling, for the valuable contribution there. I hope you all loved Khan's episode, Seize the Gay, for Mardi Gras a couple of weeks ago. It was one of my favourites and I got really teary. Oh, But I think I would be a pink lady apple because... They're sweet and I love them and they're my favourite apple. I have an apple every day, maybe two. They're like my favourite fruit in the whole world. I don't think an apple hurts when you make it into a pie. I think it knows that it's being contributed to something great, to like a greater good. I don't think pineapple is apple and I do love pears, but not because they're hard and they taste like apple. I like them because they're pears. So I hope that really gave you a deep insight into my life. (laughs) Second last question from Bernie Tron. Is there a way to upload your podcast with level slash uniform audio? Love your show. Thank you so much, Bernie. Um, I do acknowledge that I'm such a noob with editing audio that I think my levels of audio are blown out all the time. They're either too quiet or too loud. But I've recently figured out that on my uh, hosting platform, Wooshka, you can upload and neutralize or normalize the loudness level. Like you can choose that when you upload it and it will do it for you when you upload. So hopefully the last couple have actually been really uniform. Otherwise, you can play around with your audio when you're editing in your editing program, but that's too fancy for me and I usually end up deleting something. So I haven't done that. But if you have any feedback or tips or anything, please let me know. I hope the audio has been okay so far. And finally, from Megan Supplet, my lovely cousin and Anastavu, another beautiful follower who is very, very active on socials and I'm so grateful for it. What makes you happy? So many things make me happy. My family makes me happy. My golden retriever is the biggest source of happiness. My friends, uh, I think it's mostly people. It's the people around me and what they allow life to be, how much joy they let in. And I don't just mean the people who are really close to me, like I mentioned, you know, the people who were in the room last night. I, I mean everyone who leaves a message every day, everyone who listens to the podcast, anyone who an interaction with brings joy is something that makes me happy. I think my purpose in life is to bring yay or show people how to find their yay. I kind of think the podcast is what everything has been ultimately leading towards, a greater way to to share that people have more control over their happiness than they think and to help them exercise that. So every minute that there's a confirmation that I'm doing that, even in a really small way, is something that makes me enormously happy. So to everyone who has been part of it so far and listened or left a review or left a comment, I can't even say how much joy it's brought. And I hope in return that it's brought some joy to you and that you're on the way to seizing your own yay. I'm getting really emotional because this is just, it's been such a beautiful experience. Uh, I'm so sad that this is not episode 30 on my 30th. It's only 28, but I was so close. That's my OCD speaking. But otherwise it's been 
just the most beautiful journey again that I expected nothing of but that has built another incredible community and I'm sorry to have rambled on so much I've actually had really a lot of fun reflecting this has kind of been like a journal entry but an audio one about the turning 30. <laughs> anyway, I hope I've answered all your questions uh, as well as I could. I'm sorry if I rambled. I hope it was semi-interesting. And if you ever have any other questions and want another question-based episode, let me know. If you want me to never do it again, also please let me know. Got another amazing lineup of guests for the next couple of weeks. So I can't wait to share those. And just thank you all so much for the beautiful birthday messages and support. It means the absolute world. So I hope you're all having an amazing day and seizing your yay.